Welcome to Hello Universe, a podcast about spirituality in our everyday lives. We're your co-hosts, Kylie and Eva. Hello, Kylie here. Welcome back to another episode of Hello Universe. It's Eva here. I'm equally delighted to have y'all here. Uh, what's the haps, Kylie? What are we talking about today? <laughs> uh, what aren't we talking about today, Eva? Okay, so we have a great episode for you today with Jessie Susanna, calls herself the Money Witch. It's a really great episode. Before we get to her, um, I want to remind everybody to check out Millennial Mystics, our favorite, I'm calling it our sister podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is like just a great witchy wise social justice oriented podcast um that you all should definitely check out um also um eva what's going on in your world oh uh, you're throwing this to me i was not prepared you need to take more time this is like my dad's favorite thing if you're out at a restaurant and like you're like oh i need i need to like i need some time before i place my order he's like personal game is to order as fast as humanly possible oh my god that's really me (laughs) that's really me that's like the worst nightmare for someone like me because i take my time Mm -hmm. deciding what i want to eat because food is very important to me uh okay but honestly you threw me off guard okay so let me think what do i want to talk about today well um like I mentioned last week, I am officially booked out of my one-on-one coaching, which is pretty awesome because I'm loving doing this work. Um, so that means anybody who's interested in working with me, uh, I actually might have a couple of spots opening up again. I should probably have a better understanding of my calendar. But if you are an ambitious, hardworking woman who also struggles with anxiety, uh, self-doubt, uncertainty, um, I can help you with that with my four week introduction mindset meditation program. Um, well, I guess I'm booked out right now, but if you want to get on the wait list, you could probably find more information on my website at evaliat.com um, or on Instagram. That's actually where I post most of my stuff. And um, I don't know. What else do I need to say about that, Kylie? <laughs> Just that you're awesome and people should definitely get on your wait list because, you know, you'll change their lives. Yeah. I know that I need to be doing a price increase soon. That's been something that's been called to my attention very, very clearly. Uh, this makes sense. Yeah. Like spirit, both spiritually and, uh, practically it's been called to my attention. So, um, if you are interested, if you've ever been like even curious about it, you can still sign up for a free 45 minute consult. So you can find out more to see exactly how I can help you and if we're a good match. And then I uh, am still, uh, you guys can still enroll in my Akashic, how to learn, learn to read the Akashic records course, um, which is still wild to me that this just like the universe just gave me a big big old shove so this is what we're doing but uh, i'm i'm super 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 excited about it um it's just going to be a really lovely community to practice i know when i was first learning it felt both so powerful and right and also i just felt so full of doubt and like am i doing this right can i trust this am i actually just losing my mind um and so i just wanted to create space for practice the truth is you don't need this course to learn how to read the records. You can buy a book. It's called How to Learn How to Learn to Read How to Read the Akashic Records by Linda Howe. Um, you don't need this course to learn how to read. But if you want community and if you want support and if you want like 
you know, practice. I'm excited to share what I have learned in terms of like how to use the records for healing. Um, if those things speak to you, sign up for this course um, because it's going to be really community oriented. Um, there's be lots of opportunities to practice with each other, share with each other. Um, uh, so I think it's going to be, because I think in any kind of spiritual endeavor, it can feel lonely. And so I think one of my big poles and all the work that I do is to build community around this stuff so that it doesn't feel so lonely. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. So where can yeah. people find all the information? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> send me a carrier pigeon. Uh, no, it's on my website, akashicgrace.org. Um, side note, I've been getting a big ping. You were talking about getting a ping around, uh, raising your prices. I'm getting a big ping lately that I just need to put everything under kyliecaldwell.com. So that's mm -hmm. coming eventually when I yeah. get my act together. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, um, yeah, so I'm, we're, we're going to start the week, um, of July 6th. So, um, sign up. Doors Yay. Are Very excited about it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. And what is going on in your world for joy and pleasure and well curiosity. i'm currently recording from los angeles so let's see yeah two days ago no yes yesterday wow yeah i drove from arizona to california to come back and hang out with my brother and his wife and his two kids which you know my nephews i'm definitely the cool aunt <laughs> and my two <laughs> little nephews are just the best um yeah so i'm here doing the cool aunt thing just trying to give uh, these quarantine parents a break, give them a hand because, you know, it's on like month, whatever of them working from home. And honestly, we don't, we don't have a lot of family here. It's so, like, they don't have a lot of help. And, um, it's, it's also a treat for me though. First of all, it's 20 degrees cooler here in California than it is in Arizona. So just even being outside is a treat and, um, eating all my Asian foods and playing with kids who just honestly, like really remind me what it feels like, what it's like be like human beings who are just in the present mm -hmm. who also just like don't give a fuck <laughs> about like so many yes. things or, or the things that they care about it's just like so fleeting and they're like on to the next and there's just so much pure joy um so yeah it's just a really big treat to be here I don't know um I guess that's one one blessing of, of coronavirus because like yeah. I uh if this was not happening I think I'd be spending a lot of this year traveling and doing like a bunch mm. of other stuff and it's really made way for me to spend time with my family in this way so we're still riding this corona wave yeah crazy yeah 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 well my experience uh with child care this week is um that my in-laws were so gracious to watch our kids they, they my parents my mom and my, my in-laws have been like really really my dad has a job that doesn't allow him to, to to help in the same capacity so i don't leave him out for anything other than uh <laughs> uh his work but um uh, my, my in-laws were watching my kids this weekend and, um, I got a chance on Saturday morning to like sit on the front porch with a book. Mm -hmm. I'm reading this book called a religion of one's own. Um, oh my God, it just was heaven. And I shared with Eva at great length earlier today about how like reading it just like, it's just, it's just home for me. And I had gotten away from it. And uh, it was a really warm, grounding reminder that uh, it's just like part of part of my like personal spiritual hygiene is to make sure I'm reading on the regular and like reading a real book, not reading something on my phone that doesn't count for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I know yeah. there's plenty of people that love that, but like that actually 
like I, that doesn't count for me. No, so. totally. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. Uh, that is just my share. My share is that reading guys is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Reading can be a spiritual act for sure. Anything yeah. that can like calm that nervous system and bring you back to yourself mm-hmm. is a spiritual act. Yeah. And this book is really, if anyone is like the whole kind of conceit of the book is that, uh, in an increasingly secular world where like the traditional religions don't fit, we still are kind of these spiritual religious creatures. And so he, the author of this book is a really fascinating person who's like very, very deep. Like this is not a like fluffy superficial book, but it's very Mm -hmm. approachable. Mm -hmm. And it's about like, what is the process of creating a religion of one's own? Uh, which in reading this book, I'm realizing one part of that for me is, is reading. Um, reading oh, I love religion. that so much. Yeah, new yeah. paradigm spirituality, new paradigm religion, all of the yeah. stuff. We get to be the, our own deciders of what works instead of following all these goddamn rules. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he presents it in this way that is like not superficial because I think that's the criticism of like oh pick what you want is like Mm -hmm. you know it's right it's it's superficial but he is someone who's done some really really deep thinking and so he kind of walks you through what it looks like to create your own religion or spirituality or whatever um but in a like meaningful meaty way yeah yeah Yeah. I love it um all right well I think it's time that we introduce our serious kick-ass guest today uh Jesse Susanna aka Money Witch uh talk about not non-rule followers oh yes and bad bad bitches i i i will say that like when i think of bad bitches she definitely falls into this category (laughs) um so let me just read her her brief bio for y'all really quick jesse susanna karnatz aka the money witch brings capitalism critical shame-free education to healers hustlers and creatives in order to catalyze change in their financial lives she offers intuitive financial coaching, workshops, money magic, and tax preparation online and in the Bay Area, and does it all with business lady swag. <laughs> and she has so much wisdom. Uh, you know, I think I'm one of those people who for a long time, money felt antithetical to spirituality to me. Mm-hmm. And she has this like, she's an activist. She like, you know, she's the kind of person who talks about like helping you figure out your money shit so that like the people who have money aren't all the assholes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also like, and we talked about this on the podcast, but just, I want to say this up front for people who are listening. Cause you know, Kylie and I are all about keeping things practical and applicable to everyday life, especially when it comes to spirituality and Jesse Susanna embodies that. Cause she's talking about like, you know, she calls herself money witch, but she's, and she can talk about like ancestral trauma with money, but also she helps you with your taxes. Like yes! she's helping with like yes. practical things. So, like when COVID happened, she was helping people with all that, like the, the was it the PPP and like just yeah. trying to navigate like finances in a, especially this year where finances are kind of like a weird thing for, you know, so many of us. And um, also her Instagram, that's the thing. So like, yeah, after this conversation, if you're a fan, you should definitely check out her Instagram because I think she posts just so much good stuff out there it's, it's about yeah. money but also just kind of about like what's going on in the world and yeah yeah I think she's it, yeah that's follow. the thing I think sometimes it's it's her work is very clearly tied to real people's lives I think we have a really interesting conversation in this episode in particular on privilege and money and spirituality mm-hmm. that I found really enlightening and, yeah. and valuable so she's the real fucking deal and this is a great episode yeah and just for context I mean this was recorded like 
very beginning of the Black Lives Matter, like the, this this current wave of Black Lives Matter. It was like yeah. the week after George Floyd's death or very soon. Yeah, I think after. it was like before protests, wasn't it? Because I think we would have talked about the protests. I don't remember protests. Were they happening at the time? Time has gotten very fuzzy <laughs> yeah, in my yeah. mind. Yeah, um, so I'm not a good judge of that. But if the protests had started, they were like a couple of days in. Like it, yeah. was, it was not the like global wave of protests that right. it became yeah 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 anyway, just for context i think it's helpful for some people to know helpful. when this was recorded all yeah. right so we hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did and oh again i'm going to plug the facebook group thank you Eva. <laughs> you do that if you like the show um and you want to continue the conversation you can find us at the hello universe community facebook group um where kylie and i both hang out and also a bunch of other lovely badass bitches are hanging out where you can like find out a bunch of if you need support if you have questions um toss some ideas around uh please yeah. come and find us there you get extra eva wisdom i've been doing <laughs> weekly readings for people like it's good stuff is happening yeah so. it's a good place to find kylie because she's talked about her instagram's kind of sleepy but she's she is on fire on on uh, <laughs> on facebook and also actually one more thing if you like the podcast please uh like or subscribe what does it follow like subscribe yeah. write a review all those things share it with your friends um it really does help podcasts like ours grow hi jesse susanna thanks for being here today hi thank you so much for the invitation um so as you know the first question always is <laughs> what does spirituality mean to you and how does it show up in your everyday life okay this is a little bit of a challenge for me because i feel way more clear on maybe what my definition of magic is or my definition of healing is, but spiritual took me a little bit of thinking. Um, so I feel like it's about the individual's relationship to spirit or creator or God, whatever, you know, resonates for you. Um, and then it would be like your larger purpose relationship with spirit. So I guess it's, I think of spirit like spiritual or spirituality as being about the relationship between your soul and spirit. Mm -hmm. And so part of that would be, you know, your contracts um, that you have with spirit for this particular incarnation and like your individual process of trying to do work to understand that contract and that path and then stay as close to on it as you can swing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So this might sound like such a general question, but I am curious, like, are there ways that sh this shows up in your life that, um, you know, are apparent or obvious to you? Yeah, I'm a very spiritual by this definition person <laughs> in that I really just kind of let and have let it like work through me to just take me where I need to go and do what I need to do and I don't try to stress about it or worry about it mm. so I I try not to I'm a very willful person I have like a very strong astrological chart <laughs> but um but I feel really like happy to kind of incorporate and accept that you know, even shitty things or whatever. Like I always feel like, Oh, this I'm on one path, you know, this mm. is part of 
the path and this is just what I'm doing. And I don't try to stress about it. It kind of made my business a little challenging for a long time because people would kind of be like, you know, like, what do you do? And like, how did you start doing it? And I'm sort of like, I don't know. I just sort of do this thing. And I don't really like worry too much about like what it is that I'm doing or like feeling, you know, qualified to do it because I just know and feel very certain that I'm like doing my on path thing and that I've like been led here and that I just, so I just do it without really worrying about it. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. As someone who like loves control, which is also why I love spirituality because it helps me chill out. I am in admiration of you just being able to kind of go with the flow like that. Do you have a lot of Virgo in your chart? You know, um, no, Capricorn, uh-huh. Cancer, and I can't remember. I think I can't remember what else? <laughs> okay. I was thinking, cause when you were asking about like spirituality or relationship to spirits too, I was thinking about like, I tend to think about things in astrological terms a lot. And, um, so when I think about spirit, I think about Pisces, um, and then like, you know, across the circle from Pisces is Virgo, right? So Pisces and Virgo are in very dynamic relationship. And it's like Virgo is kind of like obsessed with control, but like the Virgo task is to, remember that they're supposed to only control things that are like in service of spirit and not try to control things that are like, um, just for the sake of controlling things. Right. So it's like control does have a place, yeah. but it's like, you know, handling the details in service of, right. Cause Virgos are the temple priestesses. Um, so oh they're always God. like handling the details to facilitate that relationship oh. between spirit and humanity. Um, so I don't know. It just reminded me of that. Like the way the relationship between control and spirit is like control in service of spirit. I literally wrote that down because I was like, oh, that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, cool. <laughs> There's like 8,000 things going off for me, but I, I just want to pause. Uh, uh, Eve and I are looking into hiring a VA to help us support this podcast. And so the fact that we're talking about Virgo and uh, like control and organization as like uh, as a priestess is just mm-hmm. so beautiful because I do think there's a way in which that particular skill set gets uh uh it's two things one it's like really prized but then the other is uh I guess like a bad rap yeah like so if you're someone like me who's like eight thousand papers flying all the time it's like oh if only you're more organized but then the people who are really organized get labeled as like not having that much like special magic or something, which I think is also super unfair and untrue. So I just want to underline anyone who's listening out there that is really beautiful at like organizing and holding things together and helping those of us who have 8,000 papers. Like my mother-in-law is, is a Virgo and she's so graceful and, and generous with my like insanity. And, uh, and I just like, I just want to celebrate the organized people in the world. <laughs> yeah, I that, love priestesses. That. I love that so much. And Virgos are specifically the temple priestess, right? Because it's like the temple priestess understands, like, you know, the work of holding space for spirit often just looks like, you know, making sure the eternal flame doesn't go out and like making sure the temple steps got swept and like making sure that temple cats water bowls aren't disgusting you know like these are the things that hold it together you know yeah well I actually think control is only quote-unquote bad when it causes suffering I think like control in itself like if it comes easy to you because then you're like an organizer then it doesn't feel um like it's driving you crazy but I think what drives people crazy is when they want to have control of something and can't which I actually also think is like a lot of our lives then it does cause internal Mm. suffering and that's really what I what I don't want for myself and really other people is like 
unnecessary suffering. <laughs> yeah. Or when you're trying to control other people, yeah, right? Exactly. But like, you know, like yeah. when it kind of like impedes on other people's um, agency or yeah. whatever. Can I ask you a question on the same topic? So you, mm-hmm. I, I love the way you presented, like, I'm a very willful person and you mentioned your chart. I am curious what your yes. signs are. Um, but the, so you're a very willful person. And then also it sounds like you've found a really, a, a way of connecting with sort of surrender and flow. And, and I, and so I'd love to hear more about how you hold space for both of those things that can sometimes feel at odds. Um, okay. Willful. So I have an Aries sun and a Scorpio rising. And then my Venus and Mars are both also in Aries. And my Mars and my sun are like right on top of each other. So I'm always like, yes, fucking doing this like all the time, (laughs) you know, like I want that. I am now doing this like just constantly. Yeah. Um, and, um, and an Aquarius moon. So it's like, there's not like, I'm very emotional, but I'm also have this like rationality about emotion that doesn't kind of like intercede with the doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So that's that. Um, well, okay. Here's a gem that is not mine, but, um, my good friend Sanyu, um, who's on Instagram at Sanyu Estelle, um, S-A-N-Y-U, um, who's a really amazing like word Smith and kind of like word philosopher. Um, but she said this thing and I have it actually as my screen on my phone in my breakup. And she said, um, she said, you should want what you need. So it's like, I try to put my will. It's like, I don't, I try not to waste my willful energy fighting like against the spiritual current, you know, because that's a huge waste of energy. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, I'm like, let me want what I need. Like, let me not want, you know, fight for things that are not the right things yeah. for me. And also give yourself permission to also want what you need. <laughs> yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. To just be like, yeah, sometimes you can, it's okay to just say like, I'm going to just want this because this is what I need right now. But I think also with the surrender, to me, um, a lot of it has been about accepting like the concept of deep time and like multiple lifetimes or, or even just like, you know, even if you're like, okay, I only have one lifetime, just being like, you know, we're a part of a whole huge story and my piece is just a little tiny piece and I don't have to be... Like I have to be the most me that I can be, but that's really all I have to do. Mm. You know, I don't have to be heroic. You know, that's a really, um, I was just talking, you know, talking today about like how that's, you know, that idea of like heroism or kind of like, you know, having impact in this way of like, I really want to just like put my stamp on the world and like be known for something, how that is really like tied in with um, what I'm like, reframing today is like like white narcissism you know like mm-hmm. that idea of kind of like it's just this very like individualistic elementary school idea of like you can like change the world you know and I'm like it's actually like of course I'll change the world like I exist 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like right. what but I think, do. Yeah, your, and your worth comes from how much you're able to change the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you're, you have to like have a huge presence or you have to, you know, really like put your stamp on something. And I'm like, no, you don't. That's like about kind of like, I don't know, it's like colonizing time space or something, you know, and it's like, <laughs> yes. yeah, but it's like, I'm like, what I have to do is just like show up and like make sure I'm doing my thing to the max. And that will of course have impact on everything that ever happens after me. I'm, I guess we're on a podcast so I'm air quoting after, <laughs> um, cause I am like, you know, linear time, who knows? Um, yeah. <laughs> probably not, probably not, but okay. Um, but it's like, you know, everything that we accept as reality now is that come as the impact of like all of the billions and billions of tiny micro decisions that were made by like humans, you know, that came before us, our ancestors, as we understand that concept. And, you know, so the decisions I'm making do bend the, you know, turning of everything, Mm -hmm. just like everybody's does. And it doesn't have to be like, I don't have to do, I don't have to concoct a plan about like what I'm going to do, Yeah, you know, and do it. I just have to like be in right relationship with myself be loving and be loved. And that feels like enough for me. I feel like a lot of times, like lack of surrenders, like lack of, um, just like contentment or, you know, like enoughness and just like not being satisfied. Right. But it's like, I feel very satisfied by just like getting a shot at being alive. That feels like enough. Oh, I love that. I have so much to say about (laughs) this. This is so fucking beautiful. I think it's a perspective and I think yeah, I think you're you're mirroring something that I think I'm watching myself also go through this process because when I was younger, I had this very like Tony Robbins kind of I vibe of the world like I I want to be great. Mm-hmm. And again, again that's capitalism, that's the patriarchy, that's like all of that. And I just and I then I realized like that was making me really stressed out. Like just even if I notice as like, you know, if I ask myself, how's that working for me? I'd be like, oh, it's making me fucking miserable. (laughs) Like, and if I believe that my goal is just to be happy and enjoy this life and like try and connect with other people and love, like, you know, those aren't little things. Like those are the big things. Those are, that's what everybody wants. Then I'm like, oh, like that's not working for me anymore. (laughs) Like it's, I, I think simple gets like lumped into being like less than or something, but I don't, I don't see it that way at all anymore. It's like, oh no, that's what it's all about. So when you're simple, you're discerning. And when you're discerning, you're more potent anyway, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have questions, Kylie? (laughs) Um, I'm just absorbing all of this. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think there's, there's so many different things that I, I want to ask about, but, um, I'm gonna ask three questions at once and I realize that that's not actually helpful. So I'm gonna save It's totally fine with me. My Mercury is in Pisces, so I'm really good at just being like, let's perfect. All so these three questions are the same question and we can just love so it. I'll share all three questions with that's you fine. and then I will just ask one of them, which is I want to hear what your journey to becoming the money witch. I am fascinated by that. Personally, I for a long time, for listeners who don't know I'm a white lady, I was felt very icky around any money mindset stuff because of privilege and so I felt like the whole thing felt I don't know confusing to me and I know because we were talking about the top of the show and you just mentioned it like um I think that there's this way in which 
people talking about money within spirituality often gets used to weaponize against people who don't have money, right? And so I guess I'm really curious to hear from your perspective, A, your own journey, and then B, in this particular moment, uh, where obviously, you know, we're reminded uh, once again of, um, I don't really have words, the fact that racism is fucking awful and white supremacy is fucking awful. Yeah, that systemic oppression is very, we're like Real. really looking. Yeah. And so I guess I'm curious if you could speak to how you see the work that you do within that um, mm -hmm. and maybe speak against some of the, I don't know, I'm, I'm not being very articulate, but no, I got you. Uh, take, take it, Pisces. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mercury, do something it. with this soup of words. I, I kind of, I think I want to reverse the order. Okay, so I'm going to do B and then A. Um, so, okay. This idea about, you know, spiritual talk around money and uh, being used to like be weaponized against people who don't have money. So the, the framing that I always give, I mean, number one, the idea of like spiritual bypassing, so relevant to that, right? This idea of being like, okay, well, we can just go only into the spiritual side of things or only into the energetic side of things and use that to not only like ignore, but negate systemic mm -hmm. oppression realities. Right. So number one, just by not doing that and, and saying like, you know, we have to hold all of the things like we can, um, we can hold them both. Right. Like that's a, it's a, a lack of imagination and complexity to like have to choose one or the other mm. of those things and so in terms specifically I always explicitly say like I'm not a law of attraction person I do not believe that the reason you don't have money is because you're not doing enough work you're not working hard enough mm -hmm. spiritually or energetically to have money mm -hmm. that's not what my work is about um and specifically with that, like scarcity of material resource, that there are at least two different things going on. So there is real lived material scarcity as a result of systems of oppression and resource hoarding and, you know, colonialism and predatory late stage global capitalism and all of these things. And that is real. That's a real thing that you may be experiencing a lack of material resources currently as a result of, or you may have experienced a lack of material resources in your childhood or earlier in your life as a result of those things. And that's just real. That's a true thing. And then there is the mentality and the relationship with yourself and your self-esteem that is developed as a result of that experience. Mm -hmm. And that's a different kind of scarcity, right? So, and that's what you can work with. Like that's where the healing is. So the premise of my work is heal your finances, right? And when we're talking about healing, we're not necessarily talking about fixing, we're just talking about experiencing movement, experiencing shift, uh, becoming more in touch with our own agency, 
mm-hmm. of feeling like we are interacting with something from a more empowered standpoint. So in that, you know, and it's sort of parallel to things we were talking about earlier, we have to say we don't have control over everything. There are certain things we do not have control over, but what do we have control over, mm-hmm. you know, and looking at the ways um, that we co-create like giving up agency in our financial lives Mm. where we give up power by not accessing the resources that maybe we could you know because of avoidance and those types of things Mm -hmm. and then so it's like it's really about that just like doing what you can doing reacquainting yourself with what agency you do have and making a commitment to yourself that you're going to like maximize your agency, mm-hmm. even though your agency like will hit a ceiling at some point because of the systems that we live in and you know, where different people hit that ceiling is going to be different places. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so that's the B. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add to that? So, cause this, I just got off a call actually like a group call with Leah Garza. She was a, a, guest last week and she said something about trauma that was it's, it seems obvious but I just like the way that she explained it which is that like it's not your fault but it's still your responsibility <laughs> and I think that applies to basically so, so much stuff to even like like okay so you know lack of real lack of resources it's not your fault it's like there's systems at play here but also some like there's a responsibility to take care of of yourself so that's kind of I don't know what I'm hearing. That's what I like thought of when I heard you mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be from like a place of harshness. That's the other thing. It's like with like love and patience and compassion, I think is the only way that it really works. Yeah. And also like validation of your anger for being in that situation, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing lack of material resources, you know, anger at whoever, right? For for some people, it's systemic for some people it's like cultural within their family their family like rejected you know or like didn't access resources in a way that was like responsible or loving or caring mm-hmm. um to the children in the family and you know so it's like allowing yourself to to accept and see the reality like not invalidating the reality you know and not like gaslighting yourself into being like you know, this is because of me, like to look at things of being like, there's certainly a lot of things that like don't have anything to do with me. But at the same time, like I am charged with taking care of myself and I want to take care of myself better than other people have done it. Mm -hmm. And that involves, you know, really at a baseline, having access to the material resources that you need in order to fuel the whole rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It it also makes me think of like the willful and surrender, right? That like we have these, these, we have this energy and these gifts and we can use it to, you know, uh, you know, I was in a, you know, you, you could use it like this is a small scale example, but you can use it, you know, if you have a job where your boss is an asshole you could like try to fix it or you could go home and like be really mad all the time or again, maybe not right now in COVID, but in normal circumstances, maybe you have not, your, your energy is better spent trying to get a different job. Right. And mm-hmm. so like, what is the way that you're going to use your, your will uh, to surrender to like what your greatest good is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, do you want me to answer your other question? Yes, yes, I yeah. do. <laughs> um, I do see now how it's really like three. I know we were being like A and B, but there is yeah. a, there's a third question and I'm going to kind of like work backwards. Perfect. So the second one was about this idea of um, how does spiritual talk around money or like money mindset interact with privilege, you know, and kind of giving yourself as an example of like not feeling interested in that or you know actually feeling quite like over an aversion or kind of phobic to talking about money mindset um i taught a class last night in money magic and you know one of the we were talking about money altars and then somebody's like you know can i can i like ask at the money altar for like you know financial resources for other people and like financial you know equity and i'm like yeah of course like having a money altar isn't about like being an asshole, you know, like it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's money magic is not about, and healing your finances and getting better with money is not just about like more money for me. And yeah. that's it, you know, and I think like that's the idea. Like, we're like, if we care about money, then the only thing we care about is more money for me. Yeah. But that's not actually what healing around finances looks like, you know? And number one, I think like within systemic, you know, systems of oppression, we have more or less capacity and like ability to earn money. And if you are a person interconnected with, you know, radical communities or marginalized communities in any kind of way, and you have more capacity, which you know, like I'm also a white woman. So it's like, as a white person, I do have more, um, capacity to earn money. And I'm like, I need to earn for me. I'm like, I need to earn as much money as I can in order to have like be pulling and channeling more resources into my community so that I have more resources to distribute to people around me to like return to people around me that I care about. Um, you know, so that when people around me are like, Oh, I'm really stressed about, you know, groceries. I can be like, here's $200, you know, or just whatever, like, you know, or somebody needs something to go to school or they need something to, you know, anything, whatever, whatever that is like, like that's my job. One of my jobs because of my privilege is to bring money into my community. Mm. Um, so I think taking responsibility for that is really big. Um, and I love that. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, avoiding something because of privilege, like is, is privilege, right? Like that's the whole point is like, you have the capacity to avoid it because it's not as urgent of an issue for you, you know? So it's like really getting in and thinking about money and thinking about healing and thinking about your lineage and understanding like what's going on and getting right with your relationship with money is the only thing that's going to allow you to do that. And another thing that like, you know, a certain thing that a lot of people with either financial privilege or specifically race privilege, I see do a lot is kind of like, um, intentionally live in a sort of like performative poverty or like performative struggle. And that is like a really fucking problematic habit that I would love to see people just cut Meaning like, I'm oh. so broke. I don't have money to go buy. Like, uh, I can't think of an example, but I know, I think I know. Can you, can you give an example? Yeah, actually, totally. To the audience? So, I mean, that looks like everything from, you know, intentionally kind of working 
in lower wage jobs and kind of like capping yourself mm. in earning, even though maybe you have the capacity to make more money or like you could get a higher earning job or you could, you know, because of the way that it is too overwhelming to have both racial and financial privilege. Mm. And you don't want to take responsibility for that. Oh, interesting. So instead you're like, you know, kind of holding yourself in a lower earning level so that you don't have to actively take responsibility for and figure out how to hold your relationship to privilege with the people around you. Um, so like, that's a thing. And then, yeah. And then these actions, right? Like, um, like, Oh, I'm so, no, I'm too broke to do that. Or it's, but really what it's about is about trying to relate to people right, that yeah. you feel like you can't relate. You know, the only way you can relate to, to marginalized people is through financial struggle. Right. Yeah. You know? And so kind of like intentionally crafting a life in which you have certain aspects of financial struggle or you're always broke or you, you know, you're, but specifically under earning a lot of times, you know, in order to cultivate that relationship. And some people, it is just straight up lying. Right. Like, oh, you know, people get in these habits of just kind of being like, no, I can't. I'm too broke or, you know, I can't. Well, I think I think there's the in a weird ass backwards way, the story of like the broke artist or broke whatever is more appealing than being someone who has a ton of privilege and tons of money. Because, you know, like, do you know what I'm saying? Otherwise, Mm -hmm. you're like outcasted as that like person. And so that was something that I saw a lot in when I was living in New York, like wanting to fit in and so it was cooler to be broke so Mm -hmm. people just continuing that dialogue of being broke well and it's a lot easier to be broke and be satisfied with being broke for an extended period of time when you know you have a middle or upper middle class or you know whatever um safety net Mm -hmm. right when it's not real poverty there's a huge difference between real poverty and being broke or performative poverty Right. Because it's like, yeah, maybe you're like fucking around and not having healthcare because you're like, oh, I'm too broke, you know. But if you ended up in the hospital or needed like major surgery, if you know like your parents would come pay the bill, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot easier to not have to be like, you know what I need to do? Get a fucking job where I can have health insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, you know, and anything like that, right? Like it's a lot easier to struggle and be like, oh, I'm just eating like whatever cheap food because it feels kind of, you know, whatever. If you didn't grow up not having enough food or if you know, like you're not actually ever going to really be hungry. Yeah. You know, or you could always move home or you yeah. could always whatever, right? Yeah. So that's just, it's a lot, it's, um, it, is acting right and it's it's manipulative mm-hmm. really yeah and dismissive i think of you know other people yeah exactly yeah. well it builds relationship that is like built in a place of um of kind of you know false it's a false relationship right so then um it's bad for your self-esteem too, because you know, on a certain level, everyone you have a relationship with, it's like built on this false concept of yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. So it is really damaging to people's self-esteem. And so the kind of like, yeah, integrity and quality of relationship. Another thing I see is people being afraid of making money because 
like, I think I sort of say like people being afraid of making money is not a fear of money. It's a fear of themselves and their own lack of integrity Mm. because it's like you can start making money and be a person who's responsible and has integrity, right? Like you can take your integrity with you, but it's sort of like, if you believe that like the only thing that's whole, that's making sure that you're like a responsible person, like a thoughtful person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is you being poor, you know, or broke or whatever the situation is, then it's a little bit like the idea of like original sin, you know, it's kind of like, I'm inherently evil, you know, or like I'm inherently fucked up. And if I had the means to be more fucked up, I definitely would be. But I'm like, you know, that's, that's again, just kind of buying a pass of like not having to do the work of figuring out how to make enough money and have integrity or, and be responsible. Yeah. So what is your advice? in situations like these? I mean, this is a big question. It's essentially I mean, like, <laughs> like, come to Jesus moment. You know, like, I'm just like, you really have to like. Well, because this is a bigger yeah. conversation that is so relevant to right now, which is also like, what, how do you manage your privilege within yourself, within this world? And it's hap- it's like, yeah, I mean, that's not a fair question because I, you know, like, I don't expect you to actually have the full answer. That's, yeah, like, sure. that's like saying I have like. a couple ideas and that's, I could offer, a co- you know, yeah, one is like, which we've been talking about, right, is or, you know, in the larger discourse, people talk about like the idea of resilience, right? So it's like the idea of white fragility and saying like, you know, or in this case, we're talking about kind of like, you know, class, middle class or upper middle class fragility, right? About being like, I can't, um, so, you know, for people who don't know, it's like white fragility is kind of this idea of like the lack of capacity, the lack of resilience for having conversations around race, you know, and then therefore like it, perpetuating delusional concepts. Um, and then, you know, like where I was talking about today, um, on the internet being like, you know, um, that like white woman in Central Park who basically like called an attempted assassination on a black man who was trying to bird watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then she like issued a statement and she was like, I'm not racist, you know? Mm-hmm. So like that's fragility ultimately because, um, she's so invested. It's like, she's so unable to have any kind of discourse internal or external or discomfort really within herself and Mm -hmm. and outside. Yeah. Yeah. About race. That's like, it's like made it to the point that she has to be completely delusional, you know, cause like how, you know, you couldn't have had that experience and then be like, I'm not racist. Like that's just straight out insane. Right. Like it's just (laughs) flat out, like 100% not true, you know? So, um, but that, so, you know, working on, so the, the kind of like medicine for fragility is resilience, right? Because fragility is like, I can't, you know, because I'm going to break. Um, and resilience is like, okay, I can because I trust my capacity to kind of like have these micro tears and build new muscle and, mm. you know, be flexible and, and you know, bend with it and work with it. And I know that I can do this and it won't destroy me, you know, yeah. it won't like annihilate me and I can handle it. So I think like, you know, um, meditation, uh, anything that has to do with your nervous system, like nervine herbs, you know, just really like giving, you know, figuring out stuff around like attachment and nervous system stuff, I think mm-hmm. is massive, um, part of resilience. And then, um, you know, like pushing yourself to do it, just kind of like making yourself do it, exposure therapy a little yeah. bit. So I would say that like resilience work. What is it? Oh, it's just like, just acknowledging like this is going to be uncomfortable, right? Like, you know, if you're, if you're, if, if, if 
within the context of white fragility, if someone is speaking to you as a person of color who's challenging you, your responsibility is to receive that, right? Your responsibility is to like, maybe it's uncomfortable. Maybe you just have to sit and listen to what they have to say and not, and if you feel the def any defensiveness rise up, like, like a meditation, be curious about that because that's showing you where you need to do like some deep inner work, right? And the, the, yeah, the, being curious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, so for anyone who's interested, like Jesse Susanna, Susanna is talking about this video that she did, an IGTV that she just did, which I love very much, says that like all white women are racist. And I really mm -hmm. resonate with that. I'm not a white woman, but like that same thing happened to me, I think maybe like seven years now, maybe eight years ago, I was having a conversation with my boss and he's like an older black man, my old, old boss at an old job and he's an older black man. And he was just talking about how we had a small team meeting and he was like, we are all racist. And he was saying it with like, not, it wasn't personal. And of course I just went completely inside of myself. And I was like, I'm not racist. I'm, I'm not racist. Cause I was, cause that thought brings up so much shame. It's like, for me, that's what it was. And I can go, especially back then I was on at like the height of my anxiety. I was like, just not in a good place. And so my brain just like attacked and it's like, you know, I like if you, I can so easily go into that shame hole because I could be so hard on myself. So I also think what was helpful for me, obviously, so I've like done some of the work and really had to question myself and be like, yeah, I am racist. Like there are just, it, there's just shit that is ingrained with me, but it's so much easier for me to admit that if I'm not like, you are a fucking shitty person, like you, you know, don't deserve to be here or whatever. Cause that's where our brains will go when we think about things that cause shame. So I think part of resilience is mm -hmm. also like, can I meet myself with love? Not as like a pass, not as in like, or not even like a pat on the back, you know, not like, oh, you're doing all this great work, but just like, I've fucked up. And also that's okay. And like, I still deserve to be here on this planet. Yeah. So. Well, and it's like, when we think about, right, like, like doing anti-racist work is about trying to, to whatever extent possible, minimize the violence that's like being inflicted in people's lives and and specifically you know personally like minimize the violence that people are experiencing like at your particular hands right so mm -hmm. and yeah because that violence is also just more of colonialism and the patriarchy and, and all of that so i'm just like reaffirming those patterns that have been instilled with me from a very mm -hmm. already a toxic place yeah i mean and so we're like it's the idea that our own feelings or concept of self is more important, you know, it's more important to prop up our, our feelings. It's more important that we don't feel shame. It's more important that we don't feel uncomfortable, you know, versus it being more important for us to like minimize the violence that we're of our impact in the world. Mm. Like, it's just not a, you know, the priority needs to go to minimizing violence, yeah. violence you know, and minimizing harm and minimizing yeah. violence that we're like perpetuating. Yeah. I think the, yeah, this is about changing our relationship with discomfort. I think like, mm. I think, um, it's just so funny. I was just having this conversation with a client and we were talking about how, yeah, growth is about being able to sit with discomfort and Kylie, you and I've had said this a million times and knowing that it's not going to swallow you whole. But I think the problem is, and then I like went up to go look up an article about sitting with discomfort. And the first thing that came up was written by like a white guy who was like, you got to fucking like, just like white knuckle it through it. Essentially, that's kind of what he was saying. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, yes, stay with discomfort, but like, you got to bring in some grace. I don't know how it works otherwise. 
just, the other yeah. way just sounds like hell. Yeah. Yeah. Giving that compassion and the self-love and like all those, yeah, the gentleness and the affirmation and, you know, that's what we need to kind of like, yeah, get through those experiences of. Yeah. Cause otherwise the shame just like, will just make you cut your, cut yourself off from learning more. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, Jesse, Susanna, can you talk a little bit more about the work that you do specifically? Because okay, I want to give our audience a little bit of background. When I first found Money Witch on Instagram, I went straight to your IGTV videos for some reason. And I was in love because Money Witch invokes this idea of like magic, which is something that I, you know, magic and spirituality. But the first things that I saw were you doing just like super practical things about like taxes, like the PPP, stuff with COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, and then I went down further and then I saw you also had this awesome mix of also stuff that was spiritual and that resonated with me so much. Cause it was like, you're just talking about real helpful, practical things that everyone needs to know. And then you're also talking about like ancestral trauma. <laughs> so I think that's so cool. And this is very, this is very Eva. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the mix of like the spiritual and the practical, but also, um, it makes it accessible for lots of people. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Do you want me to go back to the question about the journey to become the money witch? You want to talk about that and then, <laughs> yes. and then talk about what I do? Cause I can yeah. do that too. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, got the money witch journey is like very meandering. Um, and it, it just is the culmination of like this pretty wacky toolbox that I have amassed, you know, over time. And I was kind of talking, I was talking about that with one of my best friends this morning where we were like, you know, cause they're kind of struggling. They also have like a wacky toolbox and they're like trying to figure out, should they just like, start a business? Or should I get a job? Or, you know, what are they trying to do? Finish a degree or, and I was like, yeah, I don't even know what I would do if I had to try to write a resume. You know, I'd be like, well, okay. I was like a stripper for eight years. And then I like was also a manager at a peep show. And like, then I like was a waitress, but then I got a culinary degree and then like, I'm a mom. And you know, like, it's just like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, really like all of my work, like, and I'm really like, you know, wacky Jewish priestess and I'm really good at math. And it's just like all this Mm -hmm. stuff that is just kind of like, I don't know. It's like this perfect storm of things that makes this business what it is and makes me like be able to do this business. But it's like, you know, what a fucking just like wacky toolbox. Right. So I think it's kind of one of those things where, um, I, I feel like my relationship with money and like cash in particular. So kind of like my magical relationship, my spiritual relationship with the energy of money comes from eight years of being a stripper, which is like, you're not only just like interacting with money, but you're like interacting with cash, like lots of cash, you know, all the time. And I feel like that's like an energy that I really like have a deep relationship with is like the energy of actual cash. Mm -hmm. And then, um, in, Oh God, like maybe 2004, I was dancing in San Francisco at a peep show called The Lusty Lady, which is, um, was at the time um, unionized, which was super rare. It was like one of the only successful unionization efforts for sex workers in the Bay Area or mm-hmm. like in the country actually, or the nation, you know, the nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to give a plug. One of my best friends is, um, has a book that's coming out this month about The Lusty Lady. It's her memoir. It's called Neon mm-hmm. Girls Love it. by Jennifer awesome. Worley. So I'm really excited about that book coming. Um, in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. She's around. And, um, we, so we were already unionized and then we got laid off. Like they were like, we're going to lay you all off and shut down the business. 
And because we were unionized, we were already accustomed to really like talking about the business in terms of kind of like, well, if this was our business, we would like X, Y, Z, you know? And we organized to buy the peep show as a work and run it as a worker on cooperative. So I learned how to buy like a million dollar a year business and how to like be on a board of directors of a business and how to like be a manager, like do HR, you know, and it's like HR for dancers and people like we were like, had like a hundred people on the schedule and we would like hire and fire people like all week, every week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like a lot. It's like, you so know, it's not real. like self-taught. Like were you just like kind of building? Oh yeah. A thousand percent. <laughs> a thousand percent self-taught. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like being like, you know, and you know, 2004, the internet was like a little different too, you know, but just being like, type, 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 like, how do I like buy a million dollar business? Like, it really was that, like, how do I like write articles? Of okay. That's amazing. You know, how do I, I start still a how I use the internet. <laughs> huh? I feel like that's still how I use the internet, but. Oh no, I'm, a, I'm always like, excuse me, I do not have this form, but I do have this form. Like, what do you think I should do? Yeah. You know? I think yeah. it gets the best results. Personally. Yeah, yeah. But, um. So that happened and I just got like a lot of business experience and then I, you know, got more interested in the worker on cooperative aspects and I was working like kind of organizing around worker on cooperatives in the Bay and nationally and going to like conferences and just learning about other worker on cooperatives. And I started a business with um, two, mostly one major business partner, but and then like a kind of second partner doing financial services, like bookkeeping and taxes mm-hmm. for uh, people in the worker co-op community because the worker co-op community, like many communities. So I think it was like my first concept of kind of being like, you know, marginalized business communities are lacking in culturally competent services. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just kind of true across the board, yeah. right? Yeah. Any kind of marginalized business community. So it's like, we were like, okay, well, you know, we know what a worker co-op is and we understand how, you know, things get handled so we can like do this work. So we started that business um, and then in the course of that business, it's like, I started a business, right? That was the first time that I like started a business where we were like branding and this and this and we're offerings and blah, 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 pricing. And, um, and then that business really crashed and burned, um, as a result of interpersonal business owner. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dynamics. Um, I got pregnant and I got, this was in like, um, it would have been 2009. We had started in the end of 2008, 2009. I got pregnant and I got sick as Um, no just real sick and I just being like that in combination with like my own bad habits that I had already like cultivated just was like yeah and just the conflict between us like that was just it was over pretty quick so Mm -hmm. that happened I had a baby I kept some clients so that's when I started doing bookkeeping and those kind of things and I went back to um to city college to get like a certificate Mm -hmm. in um accounting and like learn how to do taxes and that kind of stuff um, so I started doing all that and then I had a baby. I, we lived in like a rent controlled punk house and just, I didn't have to really work very much for a couple of years cause I just lived really cheaply. And then, um, in 2012 we got evicted, um, which, you know, is a common Bay area story mm-hmm. and we got evicted from like the communal house we were living in and I decided to get a divorce. And so I had like a three year old or, you know, two point whatever year old. And it was like, I was kind of like, oh, fuck, like, I have to get a career, basically, and I was like, I don't, I've never really had a career, and I had gone to culinary school in the middle of that, too, but I was just like, I, I couldn't really dance, I don't know, I couldn't really dance 
I tried to go back to dancing, honestly, and this is part of like that surrender to spirit. I tried to go back to dancing and I went to my audition and I wasn't even, I was wearing sneakers walking on flat ground. Mm -hmm. And what I say is like, God hit me in the ankle with a baseball bat. But it was like, (laughs) it's like, I, I, I don't know what I did, but I twisted my ankle so bad that I've never worn high heels again. That was like seven years ago. Like I twisted my ankle so bad. Yeah. And I was just like, I guess we're not doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and there were other things like just whatever happened. But anyway, I started two businesses at once because I also have a postpartum doula certification in that wacky toolbox. Oh, you and do? I was like, oh, yeah. I know that. Cool. Yeah. I've got the, I'm sure there's other shit in there too. Like I can't even, <laughs> like, I don't know, you know, but um, I, so I started a postpartum doula business and money, which at the same time. And I just kind of was like, I don't know, you know, I'll just kind of hustle and see what happens. And the, you know, the postpartum doula stuff was just a struggle financially. Like, you know, I got some clients and I made some money, but you know, it's hard to make mm-hmm. adequate money in that work. And, um, and I started money, which and money, which really took off. It kind of just had a couple really blessed, um, things related to Instagram where it's like, I was already working with someone that I knew and then they had kind of a big profile and they like put it on there. I didn't even have Instagram, but it was like, they put it on their Instagram and then like somebody else who had a big profile was like, Oh, I want to work with her. And then like, they put it on their Instagram, you know, and it just kind of like, so it was like the flow started, of life. Just like, yeah, yeah just like, and I was just like, okay, shut down the postpartum business. Like I'm not trying to struggle to make something work that mm-hmm. doesn't work. And, um, was just like, yeah, okay, let's do this. And, um, you know, there were some bumps in the road, but that was basically it. I was just like, that was in, um, would have been like probably the end of 2013 is when I think I started Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a real following life surrendering kind of story. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. And I just don't sweat it, you know, or even like I do like a lot of my work, um, you know, I always taxes and in the beginning bookkeeping, but, um, most of my work that I've done, or at least half of my work is something that I call intuitive financial coaching. And it's been the same offering. Well, it started at 90 minutes, but pretty quickly I just went to two hours. So I do these two hour sessions and I look at people's astrological charts and I just sit down with them and I talk to them. And what I really do, honestly, I just tell people, like, I tell them, I tell you what your problem is. You know, so I just like listen to people tell me, I'm like, tell me what your financial problems are. And then, you know, there's always practical solutions, but then also I'm like, here's what your real problem is, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot of that information is channeled, honestly, it's coming mm-hmm. through the charts, coming through just like whatever. Yeah. And Did you have an example, sorry, not to interrupt oh, yeah. you, just an example of like, okay, someone shows up thinking their problem is X, Y, and Z, and then you meet with them and you connect their energy and you read their chart and you're like, actually it's A, B, and C. Could, could you just give an example mm-hmm. for what kind of dissonance there is for, for us sure. sometimes? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to wrap up my sentence, which is to just say like, I was just always just like, you know, people are like intuitive financial coaching. Like, what is that? And I was like, I made it up. Like, I don't know. You know, it's like, I didn't like sweat it. I wasn't yeah. like, I don't have a certification. I just was like, I'm going to do a thing. It's financial coaching, but it's intuitive. Like, I really admire people like you. I, there are people <laughs> like you who are able to just do that. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it is just like in the stars, but uh, yeah. I've always admired that. I think, um, yeah, because I will, my nature is to overthink, but mm-hmm. I think it has been my, like my mindset, my meditation, my spiritual practices that have, that have helped balance me out <laughs> to just be like, you know, sometimes you just got to do what yeah. feels right. Do the and see if, the, if people say yes, you know, like mm-hmm. that was for me, I think it would have been hard if I was like, I'm going to make this work, you know, but I was just like, people are like, I'm like, you know, oh, yeah, you were people feedback. are getting benefit yeah. from what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. People are like, this is really helping me. And then like more and more people are like, this is really helping me. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to fight it. Yeah. I'm just going to be like, I'm doing this thing. You got and, positive feedback and then you went with well, it. Well, it's helping people yeah. and it feels good to me and it feels good to them. And so I'm just going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think like, it's hard for me to 
think of, this might be a very extreme example, but I just always remember a session I had, and this was, I don't remember what she thought her problem was, right? But, you know, it's like, it's someone I know who is an acupuncturist, so a small mm -hmm. business owner. Um, she had some family financial privilege and was like living in a house that had connection to her, was like owned by some, her family, her parents, and she had like some siblings and there was some conflict about it. And there was just like a, all these dynamics. And it was like, you know, most small business people kind of come in with some sort of procrastination or struggle around like, you know, they're not doing their bookkeeping or, you know, they're maybe their back taxes or they're not kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely not doing my bookkeeping. I'll just put that yeah, out there. Yeah, they're not like <laughs> utilizing, you know, financial skills and, and strategy in their business. Things, yeah. mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm sure it was kind of something related to that. And then we start digging in, you know, I start digging into kind of like the family, you know, the story, people's kind of origins of money and just like listening to them, looking at their chart, asking clarifying questions. I usually, I just start sessions by asking people, I usually just ask people like, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. Just like, what can I, you know, why are you yeah. here? Cause they booked the session for a reason. So, you know, yeah. why are you here? What can I do for you? And then I just let them talk and then I just ask questions, look at their chart. Um, usually like get into some origin family stuff if I um, feel like it's relevant. And you know, what we came up with for her was like her sister, had had a husband who had died and her sister was like storing all of his stuff in her attic in the attic of the house that she was living in and it just ended up being this thing where it was just like actually what you really need to do and I don't remember like exactly the logic in it now but it was like we were just like actually what you really really need to do is ask your sister to remove these things from the attic of the house like that is the step that needs to be taken in order to like make some catalyze change mm. in your family that has to do, you know, in these ways that are, is going to, is impacting like your experience of like material life as a result of like your home and money and like doing that will loosen up a lot of stuff and like airy a lot of stuff that's going to allow your relationship with money to kind of shift in a mm. way that is going to allow you to like step into taking more responsibility for your own material well-being and like prioritize pushing the financial part of your business forward. Um, so I always just kind of remember that one as like this example of like, you know, like sometimes your problem is like, I just can't make myself do your, my bookkeeping, you know, but like uh -huh. your real problem is like your like dead brother-in-law's like items <laughs> be like moved out of your attic, you know, and like that's actually what's happening. Yeah. So that would be an extreme example of that. Okay. Yeah. So it's intuitive coaching and also bookkeeping. I work with, okay, so and here's, we can go to like, what do I do? Which is that, um, so I work with people to help them heal whatever financial wound is kind of like acting up at that time. Mm -hmm. And so my definition of healing is just seeing shift and movement change in, you know, whatever area. And my theory is that you see the most shift, you see the most healing when you approach an issue from these three angles. So I work with this triangle or pyramid in my work. So one, so if you, if you approach an issue and put in work on an issue from these three different angles, you will see holistic shift and you will see like the most movement, the most healing. So one of those angles is logistical practical, 
one of those angles is spiritual, emotional, mm. and one of those angles is magical, energetic. So mm. I work with people in all three of those areas. And sometimes I do sessions that are super practical. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like people are just like, actually, yeah. depending on what they need, right? Depends what they need. Yeah. yeah like I really need help. Wait, figuring- what, was, what was the second one and the third one? Um, the second one is spiritual, emotional, uh-huh. and the third one is magical, energetic. Oh, Could you just like kind of define those a little bit more? Yeah, well, well, I think of. I would put like I, I, I. This is really, really useful, and I really resonate with it. But I think I would have put spiritual and magical like mm-hmm. in a very similar bucket. And as you're talking, I'm like, it's almost like okay, my glasses are off and it's fuzzy, but I can totally see what you're getting. At, yeah. So. Well, and it's, also to add to that, sorry, I have to say this because the first thing I, the first question I really want to ask you in the very beginning was when I asked you about spirituality, you said that like you could talk about magic, mm. but spirituality would be my, something different. And it caught my attention because I think of them kind of as the same thing, but I'm hearing you say that they're also most categories in, in, in the, like separate categories. So I was curious if you could talk about, to add a question, I guess, like the, do you feel like there's a difference between magic and spirituality? And if so, like, what is that? Yeah, I was checking back on some notes because I did a session with a healer who kind of like broke some, broke that down for me a little bit in a way that I was like, oh, this is really helpful. And he kind of told me, you know, he was like, okay, uh, you need to be doing more magical work and magic is about impact. And I'll talk about my definition of magic, but it's basically about like, you know, energetic impact. Um, spiritual, which is about like your relationship to your path, like I talked about earlier. Mm. And then, um, religious, which is like about your relationship with the divine kind of like uncollapsing that stuff. Right. So I think we think of spiritual in the sense of like being a spiritual person, you know, or kind of like almost cult- it's almost cultural, right? Like, Oh, I'm, I'm a spirit. I'm part of the spiritual community or, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. Right. Which means I do these magical things, you know, um, and maybe also these like mindfulness things, right? And that's kind of what makes me spiritual. Um, but if we're gonna, I think in terms of this pyramid that I'm talking about in these three angles, I really do want to go back to that definition of spirit, um, spirituality that I was talking about at the beginning in terms of, you know, like the logistical practicals, that's self-explanatory, right? And with that, I always say um, the blessing unfolds in your actions, right? So you have to be doing the work mm, to- I love that, yeah. The ben, you know, meet the blessings at, yeah. that you're asking for mm-hmm. and that you're trying to meet, you know, and then you have to do the emotional, spiritual work to kind of like create shifts so you're like emotionally prepared to receive the things that you're asking for in the magical energetic realm. Um, you know, if you want to make more money, you have to like try to make more money so that you can make more money. You yeah. know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. that just like it has yeah. to work like that, right? It's yeah. not just gonna like it doesn't just come, come at your door you. with a giant yeah. like sweepstakes check, you know, yeah. without even like you have to buy the lotto ticket to like win right, a lot, right. you know. Yeah. So, um but yeah, so emotional is like, you know, in relationship to kind of your psyche and your feelings and your kind of journey of understanding and managing your own feelings and where they come from Mm -hmm. and how they play out. I really like the idea of emotional mechanics. Um, It's something I've been exploring a lot in terms of dating relationships. Um, Like after having like many, many relationships, I've kind of come to understand like, you know, even if you really love somebody or you really, you know, whatever, have a lot in common or it's like, you know, you're very compatible. Um, the real compatibility that has started to matter to me is like our emotional mechanics, right? Like how, like when I have this feeling, like what feeling does it activate for the other person? And like, how do they, how are they able to act as a result of that? And, you know, then does that work for helping pull me back from that like negative emotion? Like how do those kind of 
cogs in the wheels together, of the yeah. way that our emotions work. Yeah. Like does, does the mechanics work? Does it literally work? That's so interesting. Right? I've never heard that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm talking emotional, I'm talking about like my own emotional mechanics. Right. And the way that that shows up with when I'm interacting with money, um, I would say spirit spiritual is going to be like, because it's about my path and kind of like my soul, like that bigger picture that we're talking about. It's like, I guess spirituality in that sense is almost like higher level emotion or like higher, let me say like higher. Like consciousness. (laughs) Just like what's like emotions is kind of like, what's up with you as a person? And like, how are you? Like, how do you act? And how do you, you know, what's going on for you? And I sort of feel like spirituality in the sense of sort of like, what's going on for your soul? You know, like, what's your soul purpose? Mm -hmm. And like, what kind of baggage are you like schlepping around in a kind of like deep time, multi-lifetime sort of way? And like, you know, how do these, this combination of like baggage and purpose kind of arrive in this lifetime, you know, it's like you have the suitcase and you have the ticket and you maybe have a map or something, you know, some (laughs) semblance of a map that's like forming in your mind, you know, but really like understanding that kind of cosmic map, Mm. um, would be the spiritual piece. So it's like your emotions, the emotional aspect is like the inner emotional mechanics, Mm -hmm. the spiritual sense is kind of like how does your relationship with money like fit into that kind of like more cosmic map that you're inhabiting? Okay. Okay. And then magical energetic Uh is like my definition of magic is um, taking responsibility for yourself as an energetic entity. So it's like you have energy, Mm -hmm. you know, and at this point it's just like that's science, Mm -hmm. right? You have energy. Everything has that's living or organic has energy and your energetic field impacts the energetic field of people and things around you. Mm -hmm. And so you have the capacity to have impact if you direct your energy in certain ways. Mm -hmm. It's happening subconsciously if you choose to not be intentional around it, right? So like, how does that happen with money? How do you do that with money? Well, it's about intentionality, right? So it's like, if you're going to do magic, then you're saying, I have an energetic impact. Mm -hmm. I'm going to set my energetic impact toward in a certain direction in an intentional direction, right? Like I'm going to set an intention. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call something in. I'm going to manifest something. I'm going to, you know, whatever oh, see, things I that see. we do. Right. So it's like, if I, if I know I have impact, I can say like, okay, well I'm going to kind of will my energy field to mm-hmm. have this impact, the specific impact that I want it to happen. Right, right. You know? Um, and so you know, we do these different things, right? Like ritual or, you know, basically like ritual. um, And And also stop doing like the negative things. That's also like attracting the negative energy. (laughs) Yeah. Or putting, directing your energy in negative ways, right? Like wasting your time on things that are super draining. A lot of the negative stuff that we do is just time wasting, energy wasting, time Mm -hmm. wasting, right? Like spinning our wheels, being dissatisfied about something over and over instead of like putting our energy towards doing something different. Yeah. Um, so in terms of money, it's going to be like just doing that in your money life, right? Being like, okay, I'm going to make financial intentions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, you know, this is what I want to happen. 
You yeah. know, this is how much money I want to make. This is what I want my life to be like. This is what I want, you know, my financial, this is how I want money to feel in my life. Mm. And then doing the kind of magical work to back that up. So it's like, you know, intention setting, altar work, ritual, um, and working with energetic allies. So that's going to be plants, you know, gems, um, yes. planetary <laughs> energies, archetypes. You know, I'm, I'm asking, I'm saying my, I'm directing my energy towards this and I'm going to ask for these particular allies because I think like these particular allies are the ones to call in for this particular thing, right? Like I always think of it like friends, you know, it's like you have the friend that you call when right. <laughs> this happened, you know, you have the friend that you call when you need to like decide what you should wear to yeah, so dinner fancy with your it. like ex-boyfriend's mom or, yeah. you know, like, what, you know, who's just going to be like, oh, you need to definitely do this because then they're going to know blah, 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 you yeah. know, um, or like the friend you call when you're like feeling really sad about your mom or, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. we know who those people are. And it's the same with these like magical allies, right? So it's like, okay, we know, or we can, you know, learn, okay, you know, these crystals are the crystals that are going to be able to show up for us and help support us when we need this, you know, mm-hmm. and these plants are going to be the things that we go to when we need to focus or we need to have nervous system support or we need to, you know, manifest money. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's just about like, you know, helping guide people in understanding like what allies they can use, what rituals they could do, what, you know, or looks like to do altar work that's specific to money. Um, you know, and then in that spiritual energy or emotional. Yeah. That's so like interesting to me. I like this. Their issues. I've always, so Kylie and I have had this conversation about discerning between mystical and spiritual. And I think like this mm-hmm. is resonating with me in that way too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there is, there is a, um, not a difference, but hearing you define it for me this way, I think is helping me better understand also my own practices. Yeah. I, um, it's also helping me. I literally just wrote out, um, a, a program for something I'm doing and these three pyramids, I'm like, Oh, this, these are the three pyramids. Like these are the yeah. three pyramids. I didn't put it in these terms, but like, yeah, the, 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 the practical, the, you know, spiritual and the, um, the spiritual, emotional and the energetic. I just, I love that. That's, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that. So thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. And uh, I, could, I could see how they all need each other and all work together and how they all support each other. Yeah. yeah. And like when someone explains something to you that you're like, oh, my brain already kind of works this way. And yeah. you just like solidified something for me that, you know, that's super helpful. Yeah. I think one of my questions for you is, how does worry fit into all of this? Because obviously mm-hmm. money is something that people have like a huge amount of energy of like worrying and overthinking and like analyze, you know, anxiety, et cetera. So I'm just curious how, I'm sure a lot of people come to you is like, oh, I need money for X, Y, and Z. And how do, you know, how do you, how does that either fit into this triangle or the work that you do or what advice do you give people to sort of hold their worry in a more productive way? I think I honestly haven't thought very much about worry because I think like, you know, what people come to me with is um, like, I see a lot of like scarcity. I see a lot of avoidance, you know, so I I think I think of it more in terms of like worry feels like more generalized. And I think I kind of see it like broken down into these different genres. You're like the doctor who's like, okay, where on your back does it hurt, right? Yeah, exactly. Back, it doesn't tell me that. Yeah, I'm like, okay, back. Yeah, worry is like, I have a headache. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, well, do you have a headache in the front? Or, you know, is it Or like, what is it? Um, So I I think there's that. But, you know, because to me, I'm just like, if you're worried about making more money, like, 
make more money. <laughs> Figure out how to make more money. You know, like that's that's not the real. That's not the real problem ever. Not the real issue. Yeah. 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 Um. So. Also, the worry in and of itself is like. I'm just always like, okay, well, let's, I'm a solutions person. So I'm just like, okay, well, the worry is as a result of something, what is the something, you know, like yeah. what's the practical thing that, you know, or what is the worry? Is the worry I'll never get out of student loan debt? Is the worry, you know, I'll never be able to make enough money? Is the worry like, um, you know, I'm going to have to take care of my parents and therefore I'll like never be able to live the quality of life I want, even though I'm like making decent income. Um, you know, like what is the worry? And then we're just kind of like going in from there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The fear, it's usually, I think it's just fear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, but fear of something. And then it's like, okay, can we imagine a different outcome? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what do we need to do to get to a different outcome? Yeah. Yeah. That it doesn't have that inevitability. Yeah. What you're afraid of is not necessarily an inevitable Thing. why is it that you don't feel like there's any other end to the story mm, that's yeah. possible yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I want to be mindful of time because I know that you said that you had to go <laughs> um but and we all we still have the one last question that yeah, we kind yeah. of we like always do around I guess before before we get into the joy question is there anything else specifically on your mind that you want to talk about and we're going to do we're going to do promotions later I'm going to ask you where people can find all the things but just yeah. if there's anything else on your mind Um, not necessarily, you know, I think we've talked a lot about like the big picture things, which I really like. I'm doing a lot of conceptualizing about those things right now, um, because I'm about to enter a process for the rest of the year of writing a book. And I'm like, oh, I really have to figure out, you know, how to conceptualize and, you know, transmit like Mm -hmm. cohesively Mm -hmm. what it is that I'm doing. Um, oh, that's so great. That's so awesome that you're writing a book. That's great. I'm really excited. I'm like for, about to sign the contract. They're so sick of me <laughs> for, already. <laughs> for what it's worth, I literally had the thought at one point during this interview, this is a perfect example of someone who has taken these really complicated things and made them seem really relatable. And like, she's clearly, I was actually at one point admiring not just your knowledge, but the way that you've broken it down into these digestible chunks. So you're Thank you. clearly going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, that makes, oh, that reminds me of that. There was one other thing I wanted to say in terms of the worry question, but it had mm. kind of slipped my mind, which is um, like, I think one of the biggest things around money and why we worry is because we feel a lack of control, right? And that kind of relates to that inevitability I was talking about. And, or we don't understand how to reconcile having some control in our financial lives with like who we are and our style and our values. And, you know, it's like those two things just seem incompatible in some sort of way. And so, you know, And a lot of that is related to the way that the concept of authority looms so large Mm -hmm. in the world of finances. And I think money is a place where people feel often the least entitled to authority, their own authority. There's all these other ways where we feel much more free to differentiate from our family and much more free to differentiate maybe from like authoritative advice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we might feel like 
entitled to eat differently than our family or like, you know, raise our kids differently or educate ourselves differently or dress differently or live somewhere differently, have different lifestyles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like money is something where we're often either working in compliancy or rebellion against authority. That is so interesting. Why do you think that is that? I would say that sounds very accurate to me and I'm curious why you think that is. Yeah. Just because it's like learned and we don't learn any other way? I think there's not anything. I think it's like, well, I think there's a lot of layers, but I think capitalism is a magic spell and it is run by some very powerful practitioners and it is, you know, incanted, incantated, I don't know, um, into us, you know, really fiercely and one of the beliefs that capitalism is based on is that the reason is that like some people are capable of being good at it Mm. and that's why they have more money yeah and yeah you know the need for that you know like that's sort of um it's the like merit they, you know, like the concept of the myth of meritocracy, mm-hmm. um, but it's sort of like the core of it, right? And it's it's a very like sort of Wizard of Oz thing. I'm just like, you know, like the reason I'm a billionaire is because like I know, mm-hmm. I know this, something that something you know? that other people don't know, and I know will not be able to other people don't know, yeah. you know. And um, that's not really true. Like it's like money is complicated, but it's not really that complicated. And so I think there's a lot of obscuring, intentional obscuring in order to make it seem complicated, in order to make it seem like the people who understand it deserve to have more money. That's what the whole stock market is based in. And then I think- (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. And then I think like, you know, there is a lot of posturing of like people being like, well, you know, I know this and kind of like making it seem more complicated and like a bigger deal that they know these things in order to prop up their own justification for being alive, basically, you know, mm-hmm. and th- and therefore kind of like demeaning and, you know, patronizing and um, belittling everyone who doesn't know that. And that's like so much of the energy that we get around money from the time that we're born. Right. It's like, we don't, it's something we just don't have any control over for most of our lives at all. You know, like you can refuse to eat what your parents cooked you, maybe, you know, there might be consequences, but you know, or you can just be like, I'm going to dress like this, or I'm going to dress like this in secret or, you know, whatever, but it's, it's hard to get money Mm -hmm. as a kid. Like, sorry, not to interrupt you. Um, Like, you know, I can, there's ways I can let my three-year-old have agency around, like it's limited, right? But I can say like, okay, what shirt are you going to wear today? Or like, Mm -hmm. these are the two snacks available. But they're, I mean, maybe I'm totally, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I can learn more, but like, I I don't see a way that's immediately intuitive to a three-year-old to to like how to give, like 
give him money agency in the way that these other things are like more obvious. Yeah. You, I mean, and you kind of like, it's like you can't, it's hard. My kid's 10 and a half. So it's harder for me to like tap into three-year-old energy. Yeah. Except for, <laughs> I think it's like it's around a lot. that time. Yeah. I think it's around that time where they're like, hysterical that you like won't let them kill themselves you know like they're just I always just I'm like hysterical radical anger that you like will let them literally like throw themselves in the middle of a road or something today's meltdown was because I put lotion on a rash and then he wanted me to take it off so I was like okay I'll take it off by rubbing it in and then he was really mad because he wanted it back so yes yes exactly okay so I'm not totally sure you know the relation with my kid I've really just tried to be like um, try to educate her as a consumer a little bit to be like, okay, like you want to get this toy, you know, or like we're choosing between these two toys. Like, you know, here's the deal. This one costs this much. This one costs this much. Like, do you feel like the toy is like worth that? Or like, you know, this toy costs twice as much as this one. Do you think it's like twice as good? Like, I don't know, just like things like yeah, that maybe. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you, it's hard to really get agency except for maybe like around a small amount of money that you get and then like making consumer choices around it. Right. right. So Oh, you know, I don't know if that has to do with it, but it's just really like, you know, and then it's just, there's just so many people in our lives telling us like, that like, you're there, you have to do it like this. There's only one acceptable way to do money. It has to be like this. If you don't do it like this, or you don't think that's a good idea, that's because you're irresponsible, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, that is just such a ubiquitous attitude coming from all angles that it's hard for us to get to a point of being like, I don't think that's true. Mm, And then even if we got there, it's like, well, I don't necessarily have a different idea. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) that might not be true, but like, but what else? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And am I being, you know, am I, and am I, there's always that voice, right? Like, am I being irresponsible? You know, like, am I really fucking something up that I like don't know that I'm doing or, you know, that. So I think it really takes a lot of my joy would be like to empower more people to understand that like they are allowed to have financial authority in their own life. And that ultimately what's important is like the things that you have to be responsible to is the lifestyle that you want, your values and your priorities and how you want to spend your energy. And like that combination of things will make it. So you have to make a certain amount of money, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But it's really up to you how to yeah. do that. Yeah. It's just and again, another one of these like super important things that's just like never taught, like practical things that's never taught in school. <laughs> and yeah. then no, no one ever knows how to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like they're not necessarily teaching money management. They're not necessarily teaching taxes. And also I think it's like this kind of like, um, like, what do you want to be when you grow up idea? I don't know. I'm not really a fan. I'm a little more practical mm-hmm. than that. I was talking about one of my nephews a couple years ago. You know, I think he was maybe about like 19 at the time, and he was just like, oh, I just haven't, you know, he tried to do this thing for school, and then that didn't work out, and then this, you know, and he's like, I just don't know what I want to do, and I was like, it's like, I think kind of wrapping up income in this, like, existential crisis about, like, what do we want to be, you know, it's totally. just really yeah. dramatic, and then I'm not even really, like, a do-what-you-love person, I'm like, you know, that's great, like, like, yes, if you can swing it, like, do something that you love, but I told him, I was like, you should think about what kind of lifestyle you would like to have, then you should figure out how much money you need to leave that lifestyle. And then you should figure out what it is that you wouldn't mind doing that would make that amount of money per year. That is so so practical. I love that because I think that that fits the model of 
I'm always telling people like, get a job, like get a job that supports your life, not a, and then you know not having your life support your job, which is how mm-hmm. most people are. But that you're basically outlining that, yeah, just get a life or get a job that supports your life. And if you're maybe you don't need a shit ton of money also to live that style of life, and then it's all good. Yeah, but it's like you know, be realistic, right? Like figure that out, right? Like what kind of car do you want to have? Like what kind of house do you want to have? Like, where do you want to live? You know? And then how much is that going to cost you? And then you can decide like, okay, well, it seems like my options for doing that would be like this, this, and this. And if all of those things seem like I absolutely don't want to do those things, then maybe you start considering like, well, maybe I'd be fine having a car like this, or, you know, maybe it would be okay to like live somewhere, you know, like where I want to live, but somewhere smaller or somewhere where I don't want to live as much and somewhere bigger, you know, those kinds of things. Right. So Money which coming in with the practical advice. There you yeah. go. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> okay. So that was the worry piece. I think that's it. Talking about the book. I'm really excited about that. That'll be coming out in um, the kind of like intersecting of Gregorian year 2021 and 2022. So like December 2021, January 2022. I was calling it a um, new year, new me season. It'll <laughs> 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 yeah. be coming out in new year, new me 2021, 2022. Well, oh my God, I already can't wait for it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And if you want to promote it, obviously we would like be so honored to have you back. Yeah, I do. She'll be doing the rounds. Yes. Um, all right. So how about, I'm going to ask Kylie first. Uh, what's something that's bringing you joy right now in your life? Okay. So <clears throat> listeners know I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and uh, it's now warm here. And so we've been playing in the front yard and I parked my car like sideways so that it's blocking the driveway. So we have like extra space in our yard and our driveway is like a play area um and someone gave us a kiddie pool but we already had one and long story short my son both my kids are like really into taking the mud the dirt from the garden and dumping it into the pool and so I set up two pools so we have a mud pool my son came inside I was like dada dada we have a mud pool that's awesome and we had like a real pool and I just sat there this morning while like my son played with the mud pool and my daughter played with the real pool which is just (laughs) something up and then drop it in the water and then pick it up out of the water and drop it out of the pool. And she'll do that for 45 minutes. Uh, and it was just so, just like very, very simple and very silly. And they were both in their element and I just enjoyed sitting there watching them. So Yeah, also summer fun. You're not stuck indoors. Yeah. Yeah. We're already talking about like if quarantine, uh, you know, depending on what the situation is winter, I was like, so we can rent a house someplace where it's warm, right? Because I live in New England and it's going to be, mm-hmm. we're stuck indoors with small children. So anyway, speaking of how's my sport your lifestyle, I was like, I literally was like, I'm going to look up how much it's going to cost to rent a house for two months in like Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that is my savings budget for the next, you know, until we get to February. So yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's bringing me joy right now. All right. Uh, Jesse, Susanna, what is bringing you joy right now? Oh, <sighs> I think also having my kid home, which has been stressful and annoying mm-hmm. and like grating, but also just, I feel like we're like just a little closer and it's nice. Um, I'm teaching my 10 year old how to drive <laughs> during quarantine because we live near City College and the parking lots are empty. And I was like, when are we going to get empty parking lots yeah. in the Bay? ever yeah. again oh my god you gotta be like the coolest mom ever she is she's, she's, she's stoked on it stoked. she's really stoked yeah so i was like this is cool you know it's just it's like country like i feel like in the country like kids learn how to drive oh you know, yeah early. yeah 
Um, you know, we're in San Francisco, so we're not going to be, like, shooting guns or whatever, but yeah. it's like, oh, we can have, like, a little country <laughs> skill set. So I feel like that and um, plants, like, talking to the, my little herb friends, being outside and, um, yeah, just my friends exercising, which is not a new kind of a new thing for me, but that's, mm. it's really been helping my mental health. It's been good. Uh, awesome. I, need, I would like to get some more exercise in. Yeah. YouTube <laughs> um, videos. I've just been doing YouTube videos, exercise. It's like really great for me. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, this video is 17 minutes. Like do I literally have 17 minutes? minutes. Like, yeah. You know? Okay. And then I start yeah. and then I do it. And then I'm like, wow, I'm just in a much fucking better, better mood, yeah. you know? And that, like there's been stuff going on where I'm like actually this is like saving me you know yeah. like mm-hmm. being in a better mood is like saving my ass yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah these are yeah <laughs> I'm just saying yeah because I've been getting like the intuitive nod for a long time that I'm like you should exercise it's that thing that you like to do that you haven't done oh, in a yeah. long time me too oh, you for will- like 12 yeah. 15 years yeah I <laughs> said, I'm 39 now 39 and some change and um, I always kind of knew, like, I was like, I'm just really going to push it as long as I can. But I feel like in my 40s, I'm going to have to start, like, getting, quote, unquote, like, you know, in shape yeah. or, like, yeah. getting a little more, like, <laughs> like move whatever. This body. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I have, like, a chronic back issue that it's, like, I throw out my back all the time. It's really painful. It's really expensive. Oh, and man. I, my chiropractor's been telling me for 10 years, like, you know, if you would exercise your core... Mm-hmm. this would happen a lot less yeah same and, thing with my partner he has the yeah. same yeah so I'm just like oh yeah okay <laughs> so new quarantine I have nothing else to do I'll find well, that, to that, yeah. advice. <laughs> that was the thing that was the thing yeah 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 all right Eva um yes the thing bringing me joy right now is um well not the weather because I live in the fucking desert and it is literal mm-hmm. hell outside it's like you can't even go outside your hair will burn off but um Oh, I know this book I'm reading called in the flow. It's all about, I'm just learning about my period and I fucking love it. It's, I feel like all of these things that I'm reading are just, everything is about like dismantling the patriarchy and I'm just really here for it. And this isn't like the first book I read about my period, but it's about like learning how to live in the cycle of your, of your flow. And I'm so into, I think we're going to have like a podcast guest in the future to talk about this, but it just, I'm just like, anything is just like, I don't have to do things the way that I was taught to do them. Mm. It's so liberating. And I, I could talk about this like for a gazillion years, but uh, I'm just going to sh- give that as a recommendation right now. Women, anyone who struggles with hormones and PMS and period stuff, like this is incredibly insightful. So that's bringing me joy. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a fantastic read. Yeah. It's pretty dope. <laughs> I also love that you've read multiple books about your period. Well, because I have this like chronic fatigue stuff. So that's why I want to get more exercise, but I get, it makes me really tired. But this book yeah. is kind of telling me about when in my cycle I should exercise and how. Oh, and that's how. awesome. Yeah. And like what kind of exercises to do for each part of your cycle, because every part of your cycle, you, you, you feel different. And that's how my, been my experience. Like I'm, I have, sometimes I have more energy. Sometimes I can't, you know, put on pants. So <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, all right. So we're entering the plug zone, Jesse, Susanna, where can people find you? What do you want to share? <laughs> okay. The, my website is, I'm just going to say moneywitch.com. It's actually heliofinances.com is what it's always been, but we're about to move over to moneywitch.com. And if you go to moneywitch.com, we'll currently take you to heliofinances.com. <laughs> we'll be fine. But moneywitch.com will be like a longer lasting 
um, thing. Um, so everything's there. Also, um, the most interactive place to be with me is on Instagram. And my uh, handle is money dot, like a little period, which, because, um, you know, someone just has money, which, and it's just some guy who goes to it, <laughs> thing, but whatever, you know, it's just, it is how it is. So, yeah. um, and uh, so that's where I'm kind of like the most actively interacting, uh, posting resources, thoughts, upcoming events, and um, my link there, like links to everything, current events that are going on with me and um, I have an online course, which is a practical logistical class called Business Basics for Not So Basic Business Babes. And that's accounting and taxes, incorporation and that kind of stuff for small business people, side hustlers. Yeah, I need to take that course. <laughs> yeah, do it. And then I am about to um, put out um, Heal Your Finances, which is my spiritual emotional course, also online. Um, literally, I've been just sitting on it to like write the sales copy I've had the video since December. Everyone who has a small business understands how that goes. Yeah. Um, and um, I will I be taking that course. So that even I have your, both your courses covered. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and then I make money magic products is another thing that I do. So I have a line of four different gem essence blends that um, work with four different kind of money scenarios. I make a spray that is called Experience Abundance. That's about um, transmuting scarcity energy. And mm. so scarcity is like, um, there's not enough, I'm not enough, or mm. things are for other people, but they're not for me. And so it's about transmuting that energy. And it smells really delicious. It's like uh, rose water and orange blossom water. Mm. And um, so there's that, there's a the money magic tea. I have a zine that's about um, money uh, altars and how to work with them. And is there anything else in that one? Oh, money is sexually attracted to me. Anointing oil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm also about to launch another product um, when the things come together. That's like a sort of spiritual energetic hygiene medicine um, called Not My Problem. <laughs> Dope. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. So products, but all the products are on the online store or linked through Instagram. All the courses are there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So go follow her. Cause honestly, I love the stuff that you put out on your Instagram. Just again, the mix of the practical, like just seriously practical stuff. If you need taxes, whatever, and also the magical spiritual stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Go check her out. <laughs> thank you so, so much for your time thank and your you. wisdom. This was really fun. I liked this yeah. conversation. Yay. Yeah. All right. Thank we'll see you, you back. Hopefully when you, um, you definitely will. are writing your book. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.